Welcome to the fourth episode of The Swedish Winger. I'm your host, Lars. In this episode, I'm going to talk about my uh, travels to Monitor ERP Arena to watch Brynäs vs. Rögle and my uh, William Wallinder and Marco Kasper watch. I noticed a few interesting things that I think I should share. For one, I did not know that Marco Kasper was such uh, abrasive player. He really got under the skin of a fair few of the Brynäs players. He reminded me somewhat of uh, Joel Eriksson Ek from uh, Minnesota Wild. A young version of him, naturally. And he plays with fire. I mean, he finishes his checks, he uses his stick effectively and to the chagrin of his opponents. He skates really well and that allows him to put a lot of pressures on the D. And in his own zone, he um, he reads the play well. He um, hunts down the puck. He is what you might call a puck hound. And he has the skill, uh, the vision and the technique to make something of it when he has it. He's an average sized guy, but there's there's nothing average with the way he plays. And in 42 games, he's uh, 6 goals and 4 assists for 10 points. And while that might not sound as much, uh, it's very good by a guy who made his debut in the SHL as a 16-year-old, now 17. And while I wouldn't put him on the skill level with a guy like uh, William Eklund or Lucas Raymond or Alexander Holtz, I think he has a lot of interesting traits, any team that picks him is probably most likely getting an NHLer because he has such sublime skating and he has the mind for it he has the uh, the vision and definitely the the skill the pure technique and he's an Austrian uh, which makes it a little bit interesting because we don't see too many Austrian making making it to the their big league he does have to get a bit stronger though he's like I said quite average. 185 centimeters and I think 85 kilos. Uh, he could add some of, to get more more balance and be even harder to knock off the puck. His natural position is center. If he makes it to center, I don't know. He's been playing left wing at Ruglesam. But some of the goals he has scored has come from coming down the middle of the ice. And considering how happy many of us were when when the Red Wings drafted Alvin Grieva, I wouldn't say Marco Casper has the same abrasiveness as Grieva. He's kind of unique. He's more of the Brad Marchand mold than the uh, Joel Eriksson Ek mold. But he has that honey badger play style that annoys the opponents so much. There were more than once during the Brynäs game where he finished his check on the Brynäs defenders and uh, especially Anton Redin, the uh, former Vancouver player, got really irritated with him. Which is kind of funny because when you see interviews with him and when you read up on him, he seems like a very soft-spoken guy, very humble. He usually goes down to... Uh, to get extra practice with the U14 kids just to skate around and play with the puck. He learned Swedish very fast and like most of you might have noticed Swedish is not the easiest language to master but he did it 
very fast to, to finish school. And he speaks like a guy who's been here for a very long time. And that says something about dedication. He moved to Sweden in the 20, 2021 season. And so he's only been here for one and a half seasons then. And what I've read like from uh, Free Happy Habits on Twitter. Uh, Erik Gronqvist who is a goalie coach. And closely tied to Rögle. He seems to really like the character of uh, Marco Kasper. I think um, he seems like a good guy. As for William Wallander, he's a very intriguing prospect. I've been up and down on him, not really knowing what foot to stand on. And I realized, while looking at him uh, very closely during the Brunus game, that he has some really, really obvious skills. He skates beautifully. He has an amazing stride. He has the vision. He has the... The, the puck skills, the uh, stick handling, that are that, that's sublime. The only thing, and that's really, like, hockey-wise, the only thing that bothers me is that he's making some hockey-wise immature mistakes, and that are things that he will probably get out of his game as, as he matures as a player. And what I mean by this is that he is often going on on rushes carrying the puck, same like we see from Simon Edvinson and Albert Johansson. But it's like he likes the puck a little bit too much, so he always goes for the one deke too many, or the uh, the further carry rather than passing the puck. Which means that he can deke one or two players just to lose the puck on the third, instead of passing the puck to someone else. He gets himself into trouble in the offensive zone. Defensively, I think he's doing quite well. Much, much better than I thought he would be. Because that's been the knock on him. That he is uh, is not as assertive in his own zone. And I think he was. Uh, against Brynäs is playing kind of a direct and fairly hard hitting game. Which brings me to the, the other knock that I might find on, on William Wallander. But that is also taken into account that he's still young and developing. But he... Weighs a bit light in the physical game. He's somewhat of a string bean kid. Because if you're 193 centimeters coming in at 86 kilos, there's weight to be put on. If you compare him to Simon Edvinson, Simon Edvinson has 2 centimeters in length uh, over Wallinder, but 8 kilos in weight. So he needs to build. Uh, more muscle but I think you have to be careful to not do what happened to Ole Jolovi and uh, Rasmus Dalin, where they kind of stressed the building of muscle at the cost of uh, mobility and and skating basically. In Jolovi's case I think it might have been one of the reasons him being hurt so much and in Rasmus Dalin's case it's quite obvious it has hurt him in a way where you can see he hasn't flourished as quickly as you might have think he should. But he's coming into it now, and it's been a while. I mean, if you look at the Rasmus Dalin, he's been in, in the NHL for four seasons now. Which also feels crazy, considering he is, what, 21, 22, and he's almost a quarter into 1,000 games. I mean, he has 255 games, I think. 
So considering what I've just said about William Wallinder, uh, do I think he'll be an NHLer? Yes, absolutely yes. He has the skill, he has everything we need from an, from an NHL defenseman, apart from muscle mass. And this in turn poses a bit of a problem, but it's a luxury problem. Because suddenly we have Simon Edmondson coming in um, as a left-handed defenseman, Albert Johansson coming in as a left-handed defenseman, and William Wallander coming in as a left-handed defenseman. So where do you put them all? They're all touted to be really good, like puck movers, skilled passers, shooters, but you can't play three left-handed defensemen on the power play. Do they all have the skill to pay, play uh, a power play role? Yes, they've done it in the SHL. Probably Edvinson to a lesser extent than Wallinder or Albert Johansson. But that's probably more because they are trying to manage Simon Edmondson's minutes a bit, not to overwork him. So how should the, the Red Wings view this as a power play future? Do you play with two defensemen on the power play? Old style? Or do you let Sider run one power play and um, Simon Edmondson run the other one? If so, what do you do with Albert Johansson and Wallinder, who is also proficient power play quarterbacks? Which gave me an idea when I was contemplating this whole dilemma we were going to have, unless we trade one of these for something else in the future, which we shouldn't, because they're Swedish. What if we were to let Albert Johansson run one of the power plays, and William Wallinder run the other power play? And I'm not talking about next year, but rather a few seasons down the line. And then we run uh, Sider and Edwinson on the penalty kill. And if we do, how are you going to score on Detroit Red Wings if you have a power play? But of course you would want your, your star defenders to rack up the points. But in truth, winning games is more important than racking up the points. And if you can spread the talent in this way, and I know that Moritz Sider is doing awesome on the power play, I think the Red Wings would be better off. But again, it's just speculation in how do you fit all these guys at the same time on the same team. Should you play one of them with the offhand uh, setting, like playing a left-handed defenseman on the right side? Just to maximize the skill on the team, like you you make them as top-heavy as you can, putting the best players in the four top spots on the D? Or should you spread the wealth a bit and become like a, a stronger unit all in all? It's a really interesting discussion, and I would love to hear what you guys think about it. I mean, it's not like I'm a hockey genius by any stretch of the imagination. Just a middle-aged meandering fuckwith trying to see how we can add as many Swedes as possibly we could to the Detroit Red Wings. And speaking of Swedes, I hope uh, most of you, if not all of you, have read the Max Boltman article on Liam Dovre Nilsson, our fifth round pick from 2021. Those of you who were on the live Patreon airing or meeting, possibly, from the Wing Wheel podcast might remember me screaming for them to pick Liam Dover Nilsson and Red Savage. 
but naturally I wasn't alone in this. It's not like I was pre-scouting them and saying these are the guys we should pick. But these are good players. Red Savage as well. But having read the uh, Max Boltman article and similar articles made in Sweden before Max uh, published his, there's a lot of people speaking well of the character of uh, Liam David Nilsson. I'm not going to give away too much of the content of Max's article because I, I think you should actually take your time and read it. But I think the gist of it is that he took something horrible and turned it into a force, something to push himself forward. And um, he's appreciated by his his teammates and his coaches. And there's an amazing story about how he was made captain of the U-20s. So go read that. As a hockey player, he has very good vision. He has hockey sense on a very, very high level. And from what I've seen, um, style-wise, and this is not like this guy will become him, is Niklas Bäckström, the pride of Brynäs and the pride of Volbo Hockey Club, who uh, recently made his thousand point with the Washington Capitals. So, grats on that. Am I saying Liam Dover Nilsson will become Niklas Bäckström 2.0? No, I'm not. But he shares a lot of the the skill set of a Niklas Bäckström. He's making the passes that you can't see. He's finding his teammates in spots where you think that there's no seam there, but he finds it anyway. And he has that scary vision where you, you have no idea where it's going. But suddenly it ends up on the tape of a, of a teammate and you have no idea how he could spot that. He also has a younger brother named Noah who is a highly touted uh, draftee or draft prospect for, for the 2023 draft. And if you look at Liam Dover Nilsson's production in the uh, Frölunda J20, in the um, J20 league, he has 32 games. 17 goals and 30 assists for 47 points and that's actually pretty much on par with what Elmer the towering behemoth Söderblom had in his final season in the J20s before he started playing with Frölunda on the regular. As a player he's also much as Casper a mid-sized guy with a, oh, he's a bit lighter than Marco Casper. Uh, he could use some more muscle uh, and I expect him to, to add on to that as he develops. That's kind of an easy thing to pick on when you're looking at prospects, that most of them are kind of skinny, kind of physically not really there. So sometimes it feels like a moot point to like say, well, he's a bit too small. Liam Dover Nielsen is not a tiny kid. He's not that small, and I fully expect him to, to fill out. If he makes it as a center, I don't know. It's very hard to predict who, who actually makes it. But he has the brains for it. It all depends on if he can do it at the NHL level. Or if he ends up uh, a, a winger when all is said and done. Looking at some of the uh, comments I got when I said I was recording the fourth episode was, for example, from Kurt Schwall, uh, who says, Time to rotate in, some of the, rotate in some of the Griffins to see what we got and give them some experience. Barry Grenas and Brango in particular. 
I agree. I think we should. Um, will we see them before the uh, the trade deadline? I don't think so. I think we'll see a couple of them doing some some games. Um, I would love to see what uh, Jonathan Bergeren could do on the first line with Larkin and Raymond, for example. And depending on who leaves from the decor on the deadline, not that any of them should be that attractive on the trade market. I could see Sebrango getting some games. It's not like we're playoff bound and, and have to guard the points. We could easily drop a few, few games just to give the young guys some NHL experience. I would also like to see a little bit more from Taro Hirose. Why not? I mean, we can't get much worse, can we? But maybe I shouldn't tempt faith. Joseph Fournier asks, uh, or states rather, uh, I've read speculation that Pittsburgh and Detroit could be trade partners before the deadline, but their cupboards seem quite bare. Uh, I don't know much about Philip Hollander. Could it be worthwhile the returning piece? The discussion, I guess, has been about um, Tyler Bertuzzi going the other way. There's been all kinds of uh, trade suggestions where we trade Bertuzzi for Pedersen and um, Kapanen. And I guess both are serviceable NHLers, but unless there's at least a first coming the other way, I don't think we should consider that. Looking at Philip Hollander, I remember him as a, a bit of a two-way, responsible kind of player in Luleå, I think I can remember. And he was fairly good in the, uh, in the junior national team, but also there used kind of like a shutdown guy trying to raise the uh, opponent's uh, more offensive players. Is he a guy we should trade for? He could be a bit part player coming back. If we get like Tyler Bertuzzi, um, a really good young prospect, Philip Hollander and a first, yeah. But I don't know if Pittsburgh really has that. But I don't think we should trade for a Hollander in, you know, on his own merits. Like, this is a guy we really want, but he could come as a as a part of a deal. Absolutely. Kara asks me, um, who is your favorite non-wing Swedish NHLer? It would be very easy to just go Markström, Beckström, Hedman, or Hedman, which is his real name. And I do really like those players. Both Markström and Beckström are local guys uh, who I followed from juniors and then into Brinas and then on to NHL so yeah I really like them it's hard not to like or root for a guy like Robin Lehner knowing everything he's been through and the um, important social work he's doing now uh, talking about mental health so I appreciate him for that William Carlson who also plays in in Las Vegas is a guy who actually has the same youth team as I had. And I shouldn't really say more about my hockey career because I didn't have one. Let's just say I quit when I was nine, I think. And started playing football instead. And that's football like in real football, not running with an oval. But I appreciate the NFL as well as a 49ers fan. It would also be a bit too easy to put up like... Uh, Elias Pettersson or Rasmus Dahlin as well, I think. So I'll go with a two-headed hipster pick. 
uh, and I would pick Jesper Bratt, New Jersey Devils, who's having somewhat of a breakout season, and then Victor Arvidsson, a guy who is impossible to dislike, and we have his 2.0 version in Jonathan Berggren, who is one of my favorite Red Wing draftees, aside from from Elmer, of course, and Simon Edvinson. I like Joel Eriksson Ek, I like Erik Karlsson, the list goes on and on and on. But if I could pick one hipster pick Swede to insert into the Detroit Red Wings, I think I would pick Rasmus Andersson of the Calgary Flames. A right-shooting defenseman who is tough as nails. I would be the perfect player for the Detroit Red Wings. Kara also asked, what do I know about Fribourg Gotteron in the uh, Swiss League? And my answer is basically nothing apart from that's where Jacob De La Rose is going. I know they were good before. I have no idea how good they are now. But I do know they'll be better for having De La Rose there. And then Paul Breida asks, um, Any pedigree background on Swedish wing prospects of note? Uh, Parents or uncles that were great athletes even in other sports? That would take some uh, research on my part. I know that uh, Elmer Söderblom's mother was, I think it was a volleyball, it might be basketball. His father was the uh, physio or physical trainer, strength coach, I think, something like that for, for Frölunda. I don't know if he is still, I don't think so. Albert Johansson's uh, father, uh, Roger Johansson, was a very good defender in his own right. He played for the Swedish national team. He went over to the NHL, I think. But he is a legend in uh, in Färjestad. I think he played in Switzerland as well, but I'm not entirely sure. As for the other kids coming up, I would defer to Max Boltman's articles on, on them. I think he brings that up uh, about Liam Dove Nilsson in this latest article that came out today. And before I go, I think um, since this probably will be my last episode before the trade deadline, I've spoken on this before, and I think that the only untouchables that are on the team right now should be uh, Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, and Maurice Sider, which means that I think everybody else should be on the table. But I don't think we should um, sell cheap. And I don't think Iceman does sell cheap. Uh, Iceman is more of a highway rubber. The most interesting piece there, I guess, is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. I like him as a player. I like the energy uh, he brings to the team. Uh, He scores his points. But I have other concerns regarding him. And I don't know if I'm alone in this, but he kind of rubs me the wrong way with the vaccine stuff. I don't I don't enjoy that. I think that's silly. But I think also that in a North American context, there has become too much politics involved with the vaccines and way too little science. So I'll leave that to you to smash each other above the head with. The other thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way with Bertuzzi is that he has taken the team twice to arbitration and I know it's his right and I know he should get the money he can while he can 
but also if you look at the longer perspective uh, if we give him all the money he needs or wants it becomes harder to um, build a, a competitive team and I'm not sure that that's the guy you want to invest way too much in. I don't question his loyalty but I think there's something there when you're that eager to take it to arbitration. But that's just me speculating. I do like the player. Another guy I don't think we should get rid of unless we really get like a fantastic offer for him. Which I don't think we will. Is Mark Stoll. Because I could um, admit I've said some not very nice things in my about Mark Stoll, that he's uh, somewhat of a pylon, that his best days are way, way behind him, but he has in many ways redeemed himself, um, not that he needed to redeem himself in my eyes, I mean, the guy has a thousand games, that's crazy, well done there, but I'd like him on the team, and his teammate seems to like him, and he's an absolute fucking rock star. So keep him around if you can. As for the other defenders besides Moritz Seider, if anyone actually wants them, let them have them. They cannot be hard to replace. I think you could sign like three guys in Europe that has the same skill level as many of the guys we have on the Red Wings roster right now. With that, I bid you adieu for this time and uh, we'll see. If there ever is a fifth episode, most likely after the trade deadline where I can be angry that we did absolutely nothing. Bye for now.